You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, this is Abraham. And Ryan, oh, you were listening to Why We Do What We Do. I beat you to it there, Abraham. You did. You totally yes. beat me to it. I've been so invested in this for so long. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> um, I have some questions for you. I like to start off with questions, you know, get a little context going on. All right, first, Ryan, have you ever paid money for a concert or movie um, and then it wasn't very good, but you stayed through it anyway? I did that dozens of times when I was an undergraduate. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Have you ever attended an event that was free and it wasn't very good, but you just stuck around because you were there? Yes, I've done that with uh, most recently, like a snowboard movie event okay. where I was just like, ah, but I'm here and it's fun. So I guess I'll stick around. Okay, I got it. Um, would you, Which one would you be more likely to leave? So <laughs> if you're talking about paid or not paid? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm more likely to stick around for the one that's uh, paid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most people say this and there's actually some variations on how you can sort of twist that where even though the amount of money that's lost is the same, their choices are different about how they do it, which I think is pretty interesting. But we'll dig into that a little bit more. Let's come back to something we've talked about at various times on this. And, you know, maybe people, this is their first time listening to uh, to our podcast. And if so, welcome. What we talk about a lot, and this is true, is that basically everything that you do has some sort of payoff for you. Either it's it's a thing that you know very overtly this is exactly what the payoff, but sometimes you don't really know what that payoff is. Um, and sometimes you kind of know, but you might be a little bit wrong about what the payoff is. So one thing I, I know about is that for myself, I will oftentimes use a lot of fluff in my language and the payoff for me doing that is that I maintain control of the conversation. People will tell you that I talk a lot. You'll hear me talking on the podcast a lot more than my fair share. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, the, there, there's always a payoff to something that you do and it can be a payoff that happens right afterwards. It can happen ongoing. It can happen way in the future, uh, but there's you, there's always some kind of payoff. Okay. And so I just gave the example of my talking other things that are, or maybe um, more I've obvious. Got one. Okay. Yeah. So for me, uh, sometimes it's like if there's a project that my hands are on um, and I'm like, I see a vision, like I will try to do what I can proactively to keep sharing what that vision is. Not that because it's solely where I want it to go, but like I'm invested in it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to try to spend some more time up front actually seeing that out. And what's your payoff there? Uh, my payoff is essentially the small steps um, that are kind of like realizing the end goal that I'm trying to go towards. So it's like the pay- seeing the progress happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got totally. you there. I think an uh, obvious one is going to work. You get paid. Their payoff there is there's money in mm-hmm. your bank account that comes. That one's a little bit more delayed, but. For sure. I, I know about- I've been at work and looked at the clock and said, hey, I just made 20 bucks, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, however long I've been there, depending on how much I'm making. And uh, the, the last episode, I made a couple of jokes in which you immediately laughed. Yeah. That was a good payoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Making jokes. The payoff is making people laugh. Yes. You'll definitely see if you're making jokes and people are not reacting to it whatsoever. For most people, that will decrease. But sometimes the payoff is the is the fact that you have you think you have created some sort of shock or un- discomfort in your audience. And that might be the payoff then. But there's, there's always some kind of payoff. That's basically what we're getting at here. Right. Okay. But what about the times when it seems like there is no apparent payoff and then you just keep doing it. Those are the trickiest ones. Yeah. I mean, what do you say about that? It seems like 
you're paying into this, you're working on it, you're doing something, but the outcome isn't really there, right? Yeah. That is a thing that happens. And I, I like to, I, I, I specifically emphasize the word apparent because we're going to come back to that. But what this is, th- this is known specifically as the sunk cost fallacy. And that is that when people tend to continue to invest, and it doesn't necessarily need to be money, but it often is, they invest in something that isn't paying off and specifically when those payments cannot be recovered. So it's not sort of like you put in money, you put in money and you're like, this isn't really working. I want my money back. It's, it's gone. You're, and I think a good example of this is time. You're working on a project and maybe you will get paid for that project. But if you're working on it and you're putting in time on this project and it, it's not working, it continues to fail, you're not seeing the progress and you stick to it anyway. That's the sunk cost fallacy, right? It's you don't want to you don't want to pull out of the thing that you've been putting so much time and effort and oftentimes money into because you put so much in there. And so it's this continued investment in a failed project or whatever it is you're doing where you can't get that money back, but you keep doing it anyway, even yeah. though it's not working. So yeah, so said another way, you're choosing not based on the best outcome moving forward, but instead on a desire not to see the past investment go to waste. Yeah, right? exactly right. So um, let's do some more uh, some more examples of this. You sort of mentioned the projects, although you, you said there was a payoff there and seeing them get completed. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about one where it's like, um, I'm driving to, uh, I bought a ticket to this, this concert I want to go to. And as I'm driving, it's snowing really bad. The roads are covered in ice. People in Florida don't know what that's like. This is like, but, um, <laughs> let's just say that happened. And they so, have Florida man though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Insert Florida man joke. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So you're driving on the roads, the roads are terrible. And it's like the, the likelihood of you dying in a fiery car accident is, is ever increasing. And, uh, and you stick to it anyway. You're like, I'm going to this concert and the rationale there is sort of, I got my ticket. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I paid for this. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, or I got to I'm going to just use the ticket idea again. Like I paid to go to this movie, but then this person I really don't like is going to be there. But, you know, I, I got my ticket. I'm going to go anywhere. I'm just going to sit as far away from them as I can. I've got a few from different industries. Is that Do cool? It. Yeah. So game design. Um, it's like I think notoriously known for like millions of dollars are put into certain features. Yeah. And it is uh, constant battles as to like, do we finish and see this feature out? Right. Or do we drop it? And uh, I think it goes on and on and on. I remember hearing about that at a conference. Well, and another one I think is playing the game. If you're playing a game, you're like, God, this game sucks. You, you, you spent $60 buying this game. And you're playing it like, this is boring. This is lame. I don't like this. I'm not having fun. But you might just stick to it anyway and be like, man, I put in so much money buying this game. Like I saved up for so long. And maybe, you know, people who don't have to save up, maybe they have a different experience. But, you know, you're just like, I'm going to learn this game. I'm going to get good at it. I'm going to figure out how to play it. I'm going to find what there is to find about this game to make it good. And that would be an example that's like, it's not paying off, not worth it, but you stick to it anyway. Yeah. Another one was, uh, I'm a fan of reading into past entrepreneurs and Steve Jobs is working on a project called Lisa. Um, And that, that, that computer essentially was extended and extended and extended and more money dropped into it and it yeah. did not sell well. Um, and eventually it was removed off of that and put onto another project, Macintosh actually. And so it was just one of those famous ones that they were in their heyday and they dropped an insane amount of money yeah. researching something and trying to make something come to fruition that didn't really return. Oh, um, man. There, that's actually, there's so many examples in tech of these startups that people will sort of invest in that 
promise glorious things that never ever pay off there's people all the time that will pitch these um they're like continuous motion machines which based on physics is impossible but they'll do it anyway and so people will will kick them money you know they'll send money their way and they'll promise a prototype and they'll just keep getting delayed and it never works and they never fully come to realization but people just keep putting in money and part of it is this like if if i we get enough money we will get it there Solar roadways is another one. It's like this is the most impractical use of trying to uh, do this. Um, like they look at the science and it's just, it just <laughs> isn't there, man. Like it would cost so much more to try and build the infrastructure. And then it, they don't appear to hold up going off on a tangent. But just to <laughs> say that like this is something that so much, so many millions of dollars have been poured into that project. And it's just like this is not something that can work. So if you don't have millions of dollars, maybe you like open up a book, right? You're 30, 50, 60, 100, 200 pages in. And you're yeah. just like, man, this is not capturing my attention, but damn it, I'm going to finish it. Oh man, I've done that so many times. It's I not have. even real. <laughs> yes, right? Relationships and love. That might be one too. Like I don't yeah, know this yeah. whole hindsight is twenty twenty sort of thing kind of yep. comes into play. But often I've, I saw some like poppy culture YouTube sort of videos describing like, oh, you're in that relationship. He or she is uh, really great. They show you some signs. You're like, oh, I'm already into this. Like, I'm going to kind of feel it out a little bit longer. I think it's good. Yep. And then later on, uh, maybe there's a realization. There's not. But it, you might get this kind of sunk cost effect into those sort of things as well. I have personal experience with that. Yeah. Another five years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another area that I thought was pretty interesting. I'm not the greatest at um, history, but I dove in and kind of was just like Googling around and found that the, the Vietnam War, Lyndon John and one of his I believe it was like an advisor or someone else that was like um, on that named George Ball that was uh, really in some way like writing for some reason writing the president was just like hey um, sending in troops is going to get us this point to where we're going to have to send in more and more and more and more and like what is the point what is the cost and are we really thinking those sort of things out Okay. Um, and so I think war is another one that maybe we can see these sort of things um uh, I think large career choices or even like trying to figure out where it is that you're going to go with schooling. Um, I recently was talking to somebody and they were like, Hey, I'm like, uh, two years into my master's program and my grad program is next. And I think I'm done and actually going to shift gears. And she was catching a lot of flack from her like loved ones for that sort of switch, given the amount of resources put into it. Right. Um, but she found full justification in the decision. And I was like, yeah, more power to you. Like, that's cool that you're dodging that. Sort of teased what we're going to be talking about when we get to the explaining how this works section. Yes. Bit, but so, so lots of examples. Yeah. And the one I'm going to end on a, a much lighter one, which is, uh, and the reason I bring this one up is because this was highlighted in some of the research I was doing was Farmville. I don't know why they were so particularly fascinated with this. Is that still a thing? Do people still play Farmville? I'm sure. I'll okay. Google this. All right. Well, anyway, uh, for a while, Farmville was this really popular game that all you do is like... <laughs> You just have your little avatar build crops online. Like, that's apparently it. Anyway. I mean, there's still 33 million likes on Facebook. Okay. Does that decrease? I don't know. Anyway. Um, so, no, but, like, the fact that there was posts um, this week means... Okay, so it's still alive. It's still kicking. On this game, like, you don't you don't get anything. And this goes back to that example of, of the, um, the video games that I mentioned earlier, where... You don't. The only payoff is that you like get crops, but you you are also interacting with other people. People sunk so much time into into this game that they would stick to it, even though it was like it reached the point where it was consuming like a lot of their time. 
actually i i played i did something very similar so i play i really like the sims games i've played a lot of iterations of the sims and there's a current one that's free on the iphone that i played and man i was every single day i never missed a beat every single day i would update and i would contribute and i would participate in the quests and whatnot and i mean i did this for years i mean literally years i remember you playing those things yeah that's cool yeah i am and there was like i wasn't making money on it i wasn't really and it was getting to the point where it was taking up like a large i would have to plan out breaks so that i could like get on the game and update and there are people that would they were they were signing about farmville and i did i did this too where you'd set alarm an alarm like on your phone or whatever so that you would go on and uh, collect your crops or on this game you would complete a task as soon as it was ready to be done um, and you would, and you'd per- persist in it that way. And, um, so yeah, like this would just go on for on and on. Now, what's really interesting about the whole idea of the sunk cost fallacy is where the people who did research on this would find variations and how these examples sort of work. And one that I thought was pretty interesting was that let's say you, let's say a movie costs $10. I don't know where you are, but maybe on average it's, it's around $10. Let's just say that that's the hypothetical dollar amount and you have $10 in your wallet. And you go to a movie theater to uh, to go to a movie and you get there and you go to open your wallet and the $10 isn't there. Most people will then buy a ticket anyway with their like credit card. Okay. Now, if they went to, uh, let's say they bought their ticket online, money's out of their account, it's gone. And they go to the theater and they go to get their ticket and um, and it's not there most people will not buy that second ticket, even though they spent the exact same amount of money. Like they lost $20 in the first example. They lost $20 in the second example. Most people will not do uh, buy that extra ticket and spend the money twice um, in that scenario. And so um, they, the, the people who have created these both hypothetical and real scenarios have looked around at um, the different ways of changing it so that you get different outcomes with for people even though it's the exact same dollar amounts and they have all of these explanations about why they think it might work right now i think those aren't important what's we're going we're to talk about why this works at all in just a moment um but it's just interesting to see that how people experience the same kind of losses in their investment will change whether or not they then persist in that investment okay yeah. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't have to be money. A lot of times it's time. Sometimes it's just effort. Some, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like maybe it's relationships. I don't know. There could be a lot of th- resources you invest in something. Okay. This is also related to an ongo- uh, to a, another phenomenon called um, an ongoing commitment and another one called like a status quo bias. And so an ongoing commitment is just some kind of statement. Um, sometimes it's a contract and that will usually or often involve um, a, setting some kind of goal or some speci- uh, specific exchange with another person. So for example, it might say, we're both going to write, let's say we we're going to write a book together. I'm going to say, we're both going to write 10 chapters, okay? Or if you write 10 chapters, then I'll write 10, chop- uh, 10 chapters. People are much more likely to stick to their commitments if they then if they made that commitment with another person um, and then they stick to it primarily because they said they would not because there is necessarily a payoff and again it might even be the case that this is ends up costing a lot more time and money that than it will ever be worth and they do it anyway because they made that that ongoing commitment and then the other one that I mentioned the status quo bias this is when people will 
either deliberately or inadvertently fail to act specifically so that things don't change. Or they might stick to patterns for the sake of just sticking to patterns because that's the way that they do it. Okay. Um, and, and even when it's no longer beneficial. Now, I like to think of this as that's what traditions are. Traditions are sticking to patterns once they've become no longer useful. Mm -hmm. But um, I know a lot of people really like traditions and I don't want to um, poo-poo their things that they enjoy out yeah, of those. some of them are fun. Um, but I, We're recording this around Christmas time. That's true, yeah. So many traditions I'm looking forward to this weekend. But that is why I put the no longer beneficial because I think that there are things that people still get something out of traditions. But when you do things for the sake of doing them, even though it no longer has any meaning, then that is where I start to get irritated. With All right, me. fair. We can still be friends. Okay, <laughs> I, I also Great. ran into one called the escalation of commitment. Um, so the idea here was that increasingly negative outcomes from some decision, action, or investment can like continue to kind of happen. And so you keep kind of escalating yourself and like the resources you'll put into it. So it's kind of similar there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great one. And so we're going to wrap all of these up into one since they're close enough to the same thing. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Th that's exactly the whole point is that they're, they're related enough to be wrapped up in the same dis in discussion. Um, basically just what you just said. Yeah. I've heard of them also like kind of like these proverbs of like throwing good money after bad or in for a penny and for a pound. Yeah. Um, that's which all of those. Probably not a, a very uh, American based thing to say, but yeah. No, in got, for a penny and for a dollar. In Europe. Yeah. And that doesn't just flow as nicely. I like in for a penny and for a pound. That, that one flows I do a little, too. Yeah. A little I take more that nicely. Yeah. All I right. Enjoy cool. It. So yeah, so there's all these. We're gonna throw them into one. So where does that take us next? Well, I, I had another couple examples. Um, there's people, it's, um, when you overeat because you want to get your money's worth, I think a buffet absolutely capitalizes on this. I do this all the time. Oh, yeah, man. It's like it, once you've started, it's just like I'm getting to the bottom of this bag, whatever it is, or the, this bowl, whatever. Um, I mentioned the uh, you put yourself in dangerous situations if you've committed to financially or otherwise to the, the thing that you're doing. Um, I mentioned driving in the, in the rain, but there's also, I think – People. Cliff jumping. I have run into that one. Sure. Um, there was recently, there was a, at least recently, I was qualified. safe, by the way. But, yeah. <laughs> at the time of the recording, there was a bunch of hurricanes this year. So it's 2017 when we're recording this. There were some really devastating hurricanes that happened, and there were people who did not seek shelter in the middle of these hurricanes. They didn't evacuate the city when they were supposed to. And some of that was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I've been through plenty of these, or I don't want to leave my house and my possessions, or people are going to loot. So I'm going to say people had all kinds of reasons, but that's just another one of those where sticking to the commitment because, because of the commitment, like, and, and more than anything else. Yeah. And not to be, cause they couldn't physically do it for some sort of reason, like resource wise. Right. right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Just to make it clear. Cool. Yeah. The, great for cl clarification. And this is also related to, or this is often described as the Concord fallacy. So those people who maybe are more familiar with this uh, when the British and French governments were investing a bunch of money into some kind of aircraft to the point where it was no longer possible that, that, that it would be an economically viable project, but they kept putting money into it anyway. So that was also referred to as the, um, the, the Concorde fallacy. All of these are the same thing. They're the same, the same process that's going on um, where it's, it's sticking to something when again, that payoff does not appear to be obvious. So, what do behavior economists have to say about this? Why does it work? We were fortunate enough to be able to interview a behavior economist. Um, yes. Would be we, coming out hopefully we, soon after this. Yeah. Len Green. Yeah. He's yeah. fantastic. We actually have another economist, not behavioral economist, but an economist that's like recorded some stuff as well. Great. With uh, Miranda. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, 
so be looking forward to those. If you're mm-hmm. interested in this behavior economics or the any kind of economic stuff, there's there's more in the can for you that is coming down. All right. Um, what they tend to talk about this is that people are very loss averse. And what that means is that losses or losing your money is twice as powerful as gaining money. So you would have to gain twice as much money as you would lose in order for um, for that to be your motivator. Yeah, okay? to kind of start placing bets or whatever. Exactly. Okay. So this is uh, it's this all has to do with sort of wasting resources is sort of what it's viewed as is that people are really um, opposed to wasting their resources. So as long as they can view those of those investments as not being losses, then um, then they're going to continue with it. Okay. So um, they're sort of looking at it as I've invested to the point of no return that I may as well keep going because at this point, like I'm not even going to get my money's worth back i you know it, there's no there's no point you can't go back right you're just there reminds me of my gambling yeah absolutely. not that i like, I like gamble a lot but like i'll you know take a 100 bucks now and then and like you lose a bunch and you're just like all right well might as well finish the last 20 out Right. right? And, and so the probabilities here are huge in terms of whether people view things as being ultimate losses or ultimate gains. And in an evolutionary sense, this really does make sense in being particularly sensitive to threats. One thing that economists will talk about is that sunk costs are not accounted for in like rational decisions. And specifically that sunk costs really kind of aren't rational decisions. Okay. So um, you can basically, when you have invested money, you can Uh, make decisions then about what you do with respect to the money that you've already paid. But the, what has already been paid does not factor future decisions necessarily. They just uh, factor the decision made with respect to the payment there. They also talk about the fact that there is, uh, it's not necessarily the amount that's paid, um, but the, the relative value of it to that sort of to the person and in that particular setting. And so one of the characteristic features of this is that it's an overly optimistic um, assessment of the probability of where the payoff is going to be. Okay. And also downplaying the extent to which there are losses in inside of this. Okay. And so it appears to operate primarily for those people who feel that they are responsible for the investments that are being viewed as a sunk cost. That's about as far into the sort of behavioral economics section of this. I mean, they talk a lot about like the conditions under which and how this is different from just an economic loss and considering things where uh, an initial investment might be, um, I see the example of, of like purchasing a car, but there's the value of having transportation. So that's not really the same thing. There's variables in considering whether or not it's considered a sunk cost. But basically, um, it's important then to move to how and why this works. Because again, you can talk about all day what people are thinking and how they rationalize stuff. And But let's look at what's, what's just going on sort of at that global level and, and how we behave um, and in the times when we make those choices that we commit to things. So I'm going to take a basic one, then we'll get into some others. Okay. Okay. So the basic one that I found was digging around and there was a study where they looked at pigeons um, and they were uh, essentially rewarding, right? Or creating these payoffs at different requirements. So some of them were easier, um, some were kind of medium, where one, some were much harder. And essentially what was pretty interesting here is like, uh, as they made these uh, requirements of how much work they had to do longer and longer, um, they could kind of mimic these sort of this sort of persistence 
right? Okay. And so they imagine like you start to mimic this persis- persistence of going towards one option because it's really long requirement. Okay. And then you switch it up and you create the short requirement that's also available at the same time. Okay. So and it's basically like a a long-term commitment for a payoff in the future versus a more immediate one. Yep. Okay. And when they do those sort of things, um, it was really interesting. If they didn't signal them, they wouldn't always, like they would actually kind of keep going with what they were you know, doing in the first place, right? Okay. However, if they signaled that those changes and made those things really distinct and clear, then um, they were more likely to actually switch out of that persistence mode, right? Okay. Into those like shorter payoffs. Right. And so the idea is like you can model these sort of things at a super basic level. Right. um, Outside of out of out of humans. So Um, the interpretation there that given even when they had two choices where one was the a lot of time and effort to get the payoff and one was much less time and effort that they would stick to one that they had been doing and less otherwise cued. Yeah. So the signal was very key. Okay. In that. Um, and none of this was perfect and clean, but it was enough to warrant uh, a decent article out of it. Okay, know? got it. And so I like to start there at the basic level. Um, and then because I think really you've got some stuff on how language can kind of alter this, right? Right. Yeah. And that so that brings to understanding like what's going on when we, when we make those decisions. And I think that I've been teasing this the whole time of the idea that there's no apparent payoff, but kind of there is. And that's where the whole idea that they talk about with the rationale is that we can use our language to create the sense of payoff in the immediate moment that we make those choices. So if I say like, man, I don't, I don't think this is worth it. Or I don't know if this is worth it anymore, but I I really want to see, I really want to see this come through. And so like right then you make that choice. And then that is the consequence that says I did the right thing. I made the right choice. This is going to pay off and your language can bridge the gap. And your language can downplay the um, the sort of overt cost of what it was in that moment, and it can serve as that uh, immediate payoff. It's working in a very similar way. It's sort of like I can I can give you compliments about something you're doing, and that can feel really great, and or I can just hand you dollar bills when you do something awesome, and that can feel good too. Um, but the language, the dollar bills are more tangible. The, the language can have a similar effect because it can mean something very similar to a more tangible payoff, right? Yeah, and it's happening so quick. Like, I think it's sometimes hard to realize, like, oh, maybe that is playing a part of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to kind of, like, rise above yourself and be like, oh, that's, like, impacting me. Yeah, it's that that immediate thing can be so important. And so, you know, how and where the investment takes place is important, and that can sort of mitigate the reality of the cost that you're, you're dealing with. Now, another area like is just how often this payoff is happening, right? So like we know that um, something that pays off every once in a while can actually lead to more behavior occurring than something that pays off consistently less frequently. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, and that comes back to a similar thing with gambling and this maybe not the best example because you usually lose money. People <laughs> have plenty of times in their life where they pay off on things or they, they pay into things, they invest in things that they don't seem to be paying off, but eventually they do. Like, you know, I think uh, one example I just thought of is like getting through high school. I was not enjoying high school at all. And so like getting through it finally and getting to the end, like that kind of paid off. Like that had its reward being able to complete that degree even or that um, that educational requirement, even though I really didn't want to, you know. And so had I decided to pull out of that commitment and no longer finish high school, then I wouldn't have, wouldn't have had access to that. Um, so although it felt like 
it was sinking time and resources into something that wasn't necessarily like I wasn't sure what the outcome was going to be sticking with it eventually did have that outcome. So there are various things in life where we do stick to it and it doesn't seem that, you know, we're, we're heading in the direction we want to, but eventually it has that payoff. So we learn that sometimes this works. Sometimes we commit to things and it really does have the outcome we're looking for. And sometimes it doesn't, but it's hard to tell when's it going to be the case. And something you had mentioned um, in here was that like it's learning how to distinguish when there's going to be a payoff and when there's not at the end of those, what are the circumstances under which we identify that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say like, that's a super hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Especially I was like thinking of gambling, like it's hard to notice when it's going well and when it's not. And there's all the superstition that comes involved. Yeah. So when I was looking around, some people actually were trying to provide suggestions on how to do that, but I didn't find anything that was really research based. But first okay. I wanted to kind of hit on this, like, this picnic idea. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, um, there, there is an idea. Um, this is, this is sort of a way of just sort of category, categorizing payoffs, um, that I have found actually kind of useful. Uh, and it makes it, it's, it's a great starting point. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. And basically, uh, the idea here, and this this comes from um, uh, from a, a guy named Aubrey Daniels, largely. Yeah, and so the way that he framed this is that when you look at an outcome, you have whether or not it's a really certain outcome or an uncertain outcome. Whether the effect of it is that it's positive or the effect of that it's going to be negative, and whether the uh, that effect is immediate or whether or not it's delayed. So. I mean, looking at something like one of these investments, you have uh, a lot of these people have a certain level of certainty <laughs> whether or not there should be. And now it is kind of uncertain and that can play a role in that decision. And then there's also considering, but there's always this positive, like they're always investing in it for that positive thing at the end, right? So that's that's an important piece. And then there is the immediate effect of you can use your language to sort of create that feeling of I'm doing the right thing. Um, and then there's a delayed effect of there might actually be a payoff, right? And there are sometimes are like small payoffs payoffs that don't really warrant the investment, but they are meaningful enough that they carry that behavior on, even though it's there. So then you get some of the more immediate stuff in there. So that's just, he created this way of distinguishing how these types of payoff works, whether it's again, uncertain or certain positive or negative and immediate and delayed. Um, it's just kind of a useful way of considering for the most part, when it's certain positive and immediate, you can, those are much more likely that you're going to see decisions happen f towards those things. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So what are some ways we can like battle this? So we, we catch ourselves in the sunk cost fallacy, right? <laughs> and like, oh no, like how do you wrap your head around that? What do you do? Well, so another, I mean, part of that is wrapped up in, in another reason that this happens. And one thing that you'll notice if you think about times in your life when you have invested to the point of no return is that we tend to really powerfully enable this in one another. And when you, when you financially, as you mentioned, the really important one of someone who committed to a degree program and their family's like, what are you doing? Don't change course. Now you've stuck to it. Our culture, you know, here in America and other cultures as well, like they really are, it's, it's important to stick to those kind of commitments, even when they're paying off. So the choice making that choice is something that is strongly um, incentivized and rewarded by our, by the culture that you're in. And so it makes a lot of sense that you, there's social pressure then to stick to those commitments you've made, even when they're not paying off, because that's really common in our culture. And when you don't do that, then the alternative is there is that, um, when you choose instead that like, I've put so much money in, into this, it's not working. I'm going to back out. A lot of times that kind of thing is met with 
I, I want to say criticism. It's it's met with uh, people who are then mad about you having made that decision. So you have both sides of that are like really powerfully incentivizing making the choice to stick to those investments because on the one hand you've got people who are really just they're 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 holding you up on that that decision. They're mm-hmm. they're you know they're enabling it. They're supporting it. And the other hand, when you don't make that choice or or they're even if you're thinking about it, there's the threat of punishment. There's a threat of some sort of retribution or at least criticism from the people that you care about um, and other people in the world who are like, hey, you said you're going to do this. So the fact that you're backing out is not cool. And like, well, this isn't working for me. (laughs) Too bad. You said you're going to do it. And so I I just think that that is an importantly crucial point to understanding why it persists and is also then an important point for understanding how we can make uh, changes to this end rather than having the immediate reaction of if you stick to it, that's good. And if you back out of it, that's bad. Of like, hey, let's have a really thorough, I think, heart to heart conversation about this decision here. Yeah. I've had multiple business and like personal relationships with people where it kind of turns into those things. And not that I always carried them out in the correct way, right? Like the the most uh, logical way necessarily, like, um, but like being, making the decisions that I made, like definitely got judged, I guess, is sure. the way to kind of talk about it Yeah. Um, by others. And it was just kind of like, you put in the work, like, why aren't you putting in more work? And it's just <laughs> like, I see the point, but like net long term, like this isn't it. Yeah. And I think I I'm pretty sure on that. Right. And you know, like it's like fixing up a house that you'll never be able to re- sell for more than it costs to fix up the house and people are like, Well, you already invested in it, may as well do your do your best. Yeah, so one thing I saw a lot of people or some people doing online was kinda like saying like man, you should really reframe it as like this lessons learned. Like not just like how much money have we put in on this. Right. right? Um, and what is it going to take to keep it going? But it's like, okay, if we pulled out now and we were done, like what have we learned? And this was the cost of learning those sort of things. And let's go share those. That's, <laughs> I, that's a, that's a great way. And you know, I think accounting for this both in, in terms of how it develops and then how to fix it is taking into consideration how people learn to make those choices in the first place. And, uh, and yeah, that's exactly it. I think is recognizing that, this is something I invested money off that taught me a valuable lesson about n- not investing money in this sort of thing. That's one way of looking at it. Another one is or just time or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And another one is just learning like this is a thing that's probably going to pay off and, and being and then learning to recognize this is a thing that's probably not ever going to pay off and starting to figure that out. And, and again, sharing that with people, letting them, you know, hear their insights. So those are, uh, you, you make those choices because you've learned to make choices based off of of, of that kind of payoff and then you can learn to make better choices when it, it fails to work and that sort of thing so i think that that's i mean you ready to wrap this up but that's pretty yeah, much what yeah. i have in this that's okay great. i mean there's a lot to say about this in terms of the behavior economics i think that we're, we're going to be tackling more behavioral economics stuff in future episodes and i mean if you want to learn more about that you know uh stay tuned because we do have a more in-depth interview coming up and as always like if we lost uh if there's anything we we missed like let us know what that is yeah super interesting especially if you have a really good succinct way of describing the loss of us I, I i struggled finding a great sort of analogy to to really tie that um but i mean suffice it to say has to do with we we tend to avoid losing things more than uh, more powerfully than working toward gaining things whoever tightens that up and sends it in i will kick you some stickers yeah all right ryan is offering so many stickers today i got lots of stickers later on the studio <laughs> all right so um so let's go ahead and wrap this up that basically the sunk cost fallacy is pursuing a cause after you've invested in it when that investment can't be recovered and the cause no longer seems to be paying off and yep. the fallacy there being a logical error in the choice to stick to it. Yep. 
And then uh, the other point that I made about the fact that we tend to be loss averse, I already sort of summed that up, so I don't think I have any more to say yeah. on that. And the other part is like our community and social environment just like heavily models and like reinforces this sort of line of thinking. Right? Yeah. People do this around us. Yeah. And then um, they support it when we make those choices. Yeah. And so that's just something I think to be aware of and step back and analyze. Right. right. And it's a learning process like anything else, right? Yeah, absolutely. The more you can kind of learn and figure out what cues realize, what cues actually help you realize that you're in a situation like that versus not um, is kind of the key. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. And then uh, the finally, just that where there is that not apparent immediate payoff, sometimes our language is able to do that for us, the way that we sort of rationalize or um, use our... Um, our experience is to create the conditions similar to reinforcement or similar to a payoff um, because we can sort of talk ourselves into it. Fantastic. Cool. All, all right. right. That is a solid episode. As always, hit us up. You can hear all that in the end credits. Uh, like I said, try to snag those stickers. Anything else, Abraham? Uh, that's all I got, man. Okay. So this is Ryan O. This is Abraham. We're out. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by ABAI's Disseminating Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group and our amazing listeners. If you like what you heard, consider heading to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast. Anything helps, and we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brucier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Brendan Bohr does our episode art. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.